0: You know who the greatest salesman in the history of the world was? It's Bing Crosby. Okay. 1965, two writers approached Bing Crosby with an idea for a television show. Now by this time, Bing Crosby had a, a media company. So Bing Crosby turned around and pitched this idea to CBS. Um, and I remember uh, watching this show much, much later, because I wasn't born in 1965. And uh, I want you to picture yourself in this room. Uh, Bing goes to CBS and he says, I am, I'm representing a, a TV show we you'd like, we like CBS to, to run. And, uh, and they say, well, what's, what's it about? And he says, it's, a, it's about a Nazi prisoner of war camp. Okay, so like a serious drama. No, 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 it's more of a comedy. A comedy. Uh, come again? A Nazi prisoner of war camp. Yeah, yes. Um, okay, so the leader of the camp is an idiot. Oh, okay, well, keep talking. And, and they have a Nazi guard who's this kind of cuddly guy. Right. And, uh, and so uh, CBS says, oh, we'll love it, we'll run it for six years. Right. And I grew up with my grandpa, we would watch Hogan's Heroes. Right. So Bing Crosby is the greatest salesman. He pitched a slapstick comedy set in a Nazi war camp. That's, that's, that's salesmanship. I say all that to say that today is going to be a little bit of a rerun. I'm, I might not be that great of a salesman, um, but we'll try. Uh, we're going to uh, be looking at some of, uh, some of the things that we've looked at in, in previous sermons. Um, we're going to try to develop it a little bit differently, but there, it's a separate title. So I know, as we've been talking about the titles of Christ, that, that each one offers us a slightly different way to know Christ uh, as uh, as, well, whatever the, the title is, as he, whether he's, he's creator or savior. The, and many of them overlap, and, and I'm trying to not preach the same sermons, even though some of these titles are very, very similar. And we've been talking about how, how Christ is the source of life uh, and the various things that he, he does with regards to our life uh, this, this, this month. Uh, so with that, we're going to read our, our text, and we're going to be kind of popping in and out of, of this passage uh, throughout today's sermon. He says, "I am divine." Uh, John fifteen one through eight. He says, "My Father is divine dresser. Every branch that is in me that doesn't bear fruit, He takes away. And every branch that He does bear, that does bear fruit, He prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word." that I have spoken to you, abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in the vine. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, it is he that bears much fruit. And apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and he withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and they are burned. And if you abide in me, and my words abide in you. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and prove to be my disciples. So we're going to be talking about uh, Christ as divine uh, today. Um, and there's a slight change in the imagery. I'm not sure if, you're, if you caught it, uh, but we talked previously about Christ as the branch. right? And, and the image... Uh, changes a little bit because we, now we see who's the branches. He's shifted the picture just a little bit. Uh, there's some crossover with previous titles again. as We're talking about Christ giving, uh, giving life. Uh, but there will, as I say, be some, some different application. Um, and we're going to talk a little bit more about our role uh, towards the, more towards the end. But want to talk about Christ as divine. Uh, the importance, we need to begin with the importance of a vine. Uh, Because a lot of times we read these stories and we don't really uh, maybe get the significance because our culture is so far uh, removed uh, from from their culture and what they lived in on a daily basis. Uh, But uh, their, and we're going to get to this verse in just a second, Um, their culture is a little bit different. Uh, and as I say, their culture is it, it, it weighs a heavy part in understanding the depth of this. In uh, in Israel, there are three things to drink. At this point in time, well, you can most most locales had a local well. You could go down to the local well, and, um, and there's stories that a number of stories in the scriptures that center around a well. A woman at the well. We have uh, Isaac's. Uh, Isaac's uh, wife Rebecca's, the servant meets her at a well, and there's, there's all, all stories centered around a well, but there was a local well and you had to go get water from it, not, not that easy. Now uh, you could have, maybe maybe you have access to sheep or goats, and you might drink milk. Anybody have goat's milk in their life? Okay, so then we you know why we will be skipping on past that one, and we'll be going to the third thing you can drink. <laughs> um, I was at a I was at a fellowship dinner, and one of the the people in the church had a um, dairy allergy. They could drink goat's milk. Uh, They made a cheesecake. They did not put in front of it made from goat's milk. Um, So that was rather a surprise. (laughs) Um, That was the worst cheesecake I've ever eaten in my life. (laughs) (laughs) So that brings us to grapes. That brings us to wine, uh, some some level of preserved juice. That was what you had. These are the options. They don't have refrigeration. They don't have orange trees, fresh-squeezed Israel orange juice. It doesn't exist. Um, So so what is there? There's these three things. And so when we talk about... Christ as the vine he's talking about himself as the source of life this is this is vital this is i mean uh, and especially in an area where 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 it's dry for a significant portion of the year all all of the rivers in Israel except for three dry up for some parts of the year water is the water table goes down it's difficult to survive grapes are vital Life. they're not just you know oh hey uh we want some fresh fruit this week from the grocery store let's go get something and, and i can go into the store and i can get all these frozen strawberry banana something juice and just put them in our nice freezer that doesn't exist so when christ says i am divine this is heavy to them this is this has significance and they all understand it because it's part of their culture now, there's another part of this that we need to, to get some context. This verse here is the verse right before he begins this. And he simply says, what, what, what is it? Rise, let us go from here. Here where? Where are they? Well, Christ is, uh, John, the majority of, of John, or, or, more, or close to half actually, of John is concerning the last week. And, and, a, and a, a very significant portion of John is just the night... Before, beginning from the night before, and, and going through his, his death and resurrection. And so, in this, in this event, they've finished the Lord's Supper. He's washed their feet, uh, and he's done all these things, and he's in the middle of teaching all these lessons. And he says, rise, let us go from here. They're getting ready, and so they're, they're getting up from, the, from this table. Now, now a table, then, um, uh, is not this table where you sit down and have a nice meal. A table was actually was like a U-shaped uh, kind of a structure, raised cement, and they would have pillows lined up on it. When it says they were reclining, right, they were actually reclining, not back like in a Lazy Boy, but they would recline forward, uh, and they, they had these pillows uh, and they would lean on one side and, and your meal would be brought and put on this little cement thing. And there was, like I said, it was U-shaped so that the, the server could go in and serve the table and, and put all these things in front of you, whether whatever, whatever it was. And so they're, they're getting up from this small room, small upper room, and he's using the communion as a backdrop to teach this lesson. And here's this communion... Uh, right still, probably whatever is remaining from it is still here on the table. And he says, I am the vine. And he's, he's using this picture here with this wine sitting here, the fruit of the vine. And that's going to become important. So I want to keep that just in the, in the back of our mind as we go through this. Now, he says in that passage, he says, I am the true vine. That's important because if I say if I say um, I am the true vine, that by necessity contrasts with something else, doesn't it? Well, that would suggest then that there are not true vines, right? Just by hearing that statement, I my mind is led to a comparison. I'm the true vine. Well, if he's saying that. I am the thing which truly gives life. There's, there's something there then that is not the true vine. And, and Jeremiah uh, brings out a, 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 a passage that I think is pertinent. He says, uh, I planted you a choice vine, holy of pure seed. How then have you turned into, turned degenerate and become a wild vine? Right? And this is the picture of Israel And, and what they have become Or Judah, technically uh, Israel's already gone into captivity Into Assyria And, and so Judah is left and Judah's left and he says Have you uh, what, How have you become what you are? I planted you and, and you were A, uh, a choice vine and so, so there's a couple of things about uh, This that are interesting uh, well, the, the the first comparison. There's a couple of comparisons in here, and the first comparison is to the quality of, of what's being produced. What kind of a vine are you? You're not that healthy. You're overgrown, right? It is. It has no cultivation. Uh, I had uh, uh, when, when we lived in Ukraine, and I do this a lot. it's kind of funny because when I when when we did live in Ukraine, and I would preach, I would say, I would—all my illustrations were from Bible college because that's the last major significant event in my life. And so my translator would always say, "When I was in Bible college," right? He would laugh every time I do it. So now, I, now that I'm here, I, when I lived in Ukraine, because that's the last significant thing that happened in my life, really. Uh, but uh, we had a grapevine growing up the side of our house. Now our building was about five stories high. We lived on the second floor, and someone had. Taking the time I mean I don't know how long this thing might have this is like a Soviet era grapevine. Because it was all the way up the side of this building. It, it just kind of attached onto the balconies where we hung we had like one of those old hang your clothes on the balcony balconies and uh and it just kind of grew up and someone wanted grapes without having to go downstairs and pick them. They just wanted to go out on their balcony and have some grapes. Meanwhile, really all it did was just feed the birds who would then poop on our clothes. <laughs> so I cut, I didn't cut it down because I knew that was, I mean, when you've had a sword pull on, pulled on you, you know, you don't want to make too many enemies. So, so I thought, I'll just trim it around here and let it grow up the side and the birds can be happy and my clothes can be happy uh, and the neighbors upstairs will be happy and will well, be happy. All right, so, so uh, but the, the grapes, I mean, when they did come on, like who'd want to eat these things i wouldn 't want to eat these things they 're nasty they 're gross, but for the sake of convenience, so this thing I mean, this grapevine was you know forty, 50 feet long. This is a wild vine. Now, uh, we had the chance, to, well, not the chance, but we, we had to go and do some visa work, and so we had to leave the country and go to an embassy so. We went to the next country over, which was Moldova. Moldova is apparently known for wine. I don't know that. But apparently it is. I know that only because we went across the border. And here's, it's very mountainous in, in Moldova. And what they grow is grapes. That's all there is. And just to see vineyards, short, nice vines and, and in rows. You know, like, like when you drive by a, like a corn, cornfield and you see all the rows. Perfect. Well, just imagine an orchard of grapevines like that. Just beautifully kept. Well, I, I, I didn't sample anything, but I imagine the quality is a little bit better than what grew up the side of my house. Right? And this is the picture. He's like, I planted you, you were like Moldova grapes, and now you're like Andrew's house grapes. <laughs> what happened to you? The only thing that's interesting in you is birds and <laughs> the neighbors upstairs. That's all. What happened to you? The quality is the first thing, the first picture. But also, uh, there's another, another thing is the, the, the species. He's like, somehow you change species. I'm not sure what happened. Uh, you were a choice vine. you had a, I planted you with choice seed, and somehow you 've become something different. You changed your very nature it, it 's not just that they weren 't see we, we, the first thing because the the lessons that we talked about is bearing fruit or not bearing fruit, but that 's not what he 's talking about like, it 's not whether you are producing fruit or not producing fruit necessarily but It's just the species. It's just, I wouldn't use this for anything. You're the wrong. I mean, there's grapes that people will only make wine with. Not good to eat. The skin's gross or whatever. And there's there's grapes that are good for this and that. I mean, there's just some species. You're a completely different, unusable species. Regardless of whether you produce fruit or not. You produce a kind of a fruit, but it's not really anything anybody would want. And so, uh, in our text, the illustration was, was the vine that had some production. If we go back through and, and we look at that. The vine was, I mean, some parts of it were producing no fruit, and some were producing some fruit. And That's what's used in, here in the Old Testament. The false vine, now as, as he's talking with, with uh his disciples, and he's saying, "I am the true vine." Imagine yourself in the apostle's shoes here. Don't don't remove yourself from the events that are happening. Christ is going to go out from this place as he says, "Rise, let us go from here," and he's going to be arrested. And, and who is he going to be killed by? Are the people that seem to be the leaders of the religion? He's like, "I am the true vine." You guys are all going to face a choice tonight and going forward there's going to be multiple choices that you're going to have to face. Remember that I am the true one. It's because Why? Because it's very intimidating to go against a power structure that seems to be overwhelming. I mean, they had control of every facet of society. And here's this one guy. I got a guy. I know a guy. But but there's the rest of this. This whole structure. The Pharisees and the Sadducees and the priests and the temple and this and the that and everything. And, and am I going to give this up? And, and what's going to happen to us when they start coming for us? He says, I am the true vine. They seem to be religious leaders. I know they seem to be the right way, because they've set themselves up that way. But I am the true vine. Don't forget that. And so Jesus is bracing them for a series of decisions that they're going to have to face starting that very night. They're not going to do good with the first one. But as time goes on, they're going to start remembering where true life is. It wasn't in these decaying Jewish customs religion, It was going to be found in something new. And so, we want to know the vine. Know the vine. Well, uh, the first thing is to look and examine ideal fruit production. So, as I said, we want to go beyond the basic point. We should aim the first one. He says, whoever abides in me, and I in him, it's he that bears... Much fruit. That's ideal production. We don't want to be satisfied with, with uh, well, I got a little bit going on here. There's a little life. we look, looked and God says that's not satisfactory. We want to look at how to improve production. Now, I want to expand our mind on what we talk about fruit production because when I say that the first thing that we're drawn to is how many people coming to church that's, that's the first thing probably that comes to mind when we talk about that there's so many different kinds of fruit and in fact uh, that, that's, a, that's a part of the story but, but there's a um, there's another scripture here Galatians 5 22, 23, says, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control against such things. There's no law. There's there's more kinds of fruit than, than beyond the things that we can't control because I cannot control a response. I wish I could. I wish you could control how people respond to your attempts. But I can't. Now, in the end, I I do believe that that response is connected to a a number of principles, and we we can influence that, but, but I can't force it, and I can't control that entirely. But I can control some things. I can control what I produce. I do have that ability. And he says, there's a lot of fruit. There's a lot of fruits. And some of these I can look at, and I can go, got that one, check mark, check mark, check mark, and then I'm going to skip over that one. I'm going to skip over that one. Oh, oh, here's another one. I got that one. That's how these are. He says, okay, I want you to produce a lot of fruit. I don't want to be happy with just a little fruit. So the quantity is, is important. And diversity. Diversity is the second one. Looking for the types that that I lack in. Not being satisfied with this one over here, but, but looking for where I lack. And, and notice that, that this is... Um, and, and we're going to get to the Father's involvement here. Because this is... Uh, in most of these, we focus on Christ's role. But in this one, Christ brings the Father in. Now, and I don't want to suggest that the Father hasn't had a role up to this point. We've just been focusing on Christ's role. But this one, you can't discuss it without discussing the Father's role because Christ brings him into the picture. In this, in this very thing, he says, I am the true vine and my Father is the, the, the vine dresser. Well... What does the vine dresser do? Right? And he talks about pruning. Whoa he prunes the vine. Well, Christ is divine. Wait a minute. What? Is the Father pruning the vine? Sort of. The Father's <coughs> desire is to make Christ productive. How is he going to do that? He's not going to touch Christ. Because... The vine isn't where the fruit is produced. The vine is what is essential to the production of fruit. But that's not really where the fruit is produced. So he's going to touch where the fruit is produced. He says, every branch that is in me that doesn't bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. <laughs> See, always with the quantity. Always looking for more efficiency. Now, if you don't produce any fruit, you know, there's, there's only one thing to do with that. Because that, that means that there's branches there that are they're sucking up the nutrients, but they're not doing anything with it. So if you cut that off, then the nutrients can go to the things that are productive. But even the ones that are being productive, he's going to prune them too. Wait a minute, wait a minute, I'm being productive. Don't prune me. Yes, you're the one I'm going to prune. Wait, but that doesn't. I wasn't didn't sign up for that. I'm doing good. Don't don't touch me. I'm touching you so that I can make you produce more. That's a hard thought. So this is the father's the father's role. Earning the unproductive. And the productive. Well, he says this is another thought. Knowing, knowing Christ, he says apart from me, you can't produce anything. Well, that seems obvious. I mean, you cut a dead you cut something and lay it on the ground, it's not going to grow. That, that seems obvious. But, um, but the, the lesson I don't think is, is what he's talking about here. I think he's going back to the idea of I am the true vine. If you're not attached to this vine, you can't produce what you're supposed to produce. You can be attached to a different vine, you can become a wild vine, you can become whatever you want. You're not going to produce what you're intended to produce. Apart from a connection to this vine, and again, he's, he's kind of impressing on them the choice that they have to make with where they're going to be connected You've got a choice. You can, you can keep your head down, and the Pharisees might not touch you, but you're not really going to get anything accomplished. And you'll be cut off from the true vine. This is the choice you have. You can't produce on your own. We can plan, and we can have all the creative ideas in the world, But the only method that will produce anything is a secure attachment to Christ. That is the method. You might technically produce a fruit. We might see responses. We might get all excited about responses to what we're doing. But if what we're doing isn't what Christ ordained, If the methods are not what Christ wants, then our fruit is the fruit of a wild vine. And it's not what God's interested in using. Yeah, you've got fruit. Not interested in that kind of fruit. I'm interested in fruit that comes directly from the principles of Christ. I'm not interested in Sunday morning circus For the sake of getting people through the door. I'm not interested in that. That's our creative ideas. And we can get excited that there would be 10,000 people coming through the door. Don't care. It's not the right kind of fruit. I don't care how much of it is. It's not the right kind. So we need a secure attachment. John chapter 6, verse 53 and 54 Because this is all a part of the same picture. He says, Jesus said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks on my blood has eternal life. And I will raise him up at the last day. Remember, this is all the same picture. This is what he's drawing on when he leaves the room. This is the picture. This is what we've just done. As he uses this illustration to talk about being the vine and being connected to the vine, how secure is our attachment to the fruit of the vine? My connection must be maintained. We've talked. And this morning, Wade read it, and I believe the last week the same passage was read. We've heard the same thing two weeks in a row about doing it in a right manner and doing it with examination. You know, the first step to communion, partaking in a right manner, is to partake it. That's the first step. Once we treat it as optional, it loses its significance. Once we treat it as extra credit, we have started to sever the ties. When we start weighing communion against the other things going on in my life, And it is not, number one, that breed of vine of me is starting to transform itself into a wild vine. And I'm moving further and further away from it. And God at some point is going to look at me and say, that's not... The DNA of Christ. You're losing your connection to Christ because whatever fill in the blank is more important every week. Well, maybe some weeks. What is it? What branches? What things are are winding out? You know, you prune a grapevine. You ever prune a grapevine? And you come back and it's just kind of winding around, everything else. We had a tree, a pear tree, and our pear tree produced grapes. It was, that grapevine was so through, not the same grapevine, this was at our church building, was so throughout that tree, it looked like a grape tree. It, the same thing produced just because it was so intertwined. And, 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 and You couldn't have pulled that out. It was so attached. What things that just kind of wrap around and wrap around. And that says, you're becoming something different. I don't even recognize you anymore. You look more like a whatever than a grapevine. You can't produce on your own. Because the things that we come up with and and the things that take importance to us typically are not important to God. I uh, made a choice this year. I'm not saying you have to. This was my choice. When was the last time you saw one of those? Because I found that the little are an invasive, invasive species, as I like to say. I would clear that stuff out. and like, okay, you're not going to have that happen. too many games and this and that. And you didn't know it. A month later, how did those games get back on there? They're back on there. they just time wasters, time wasters, time wasters. Even in pruwed them off, and I <coughs> they're back again. How did we live without those things? I don't know, but prior to 2005, we all survived. And I don't know how. But we all lived, we all got to where we were supposed to be going without the wonderful ability to navigate, we all managed to call the people we were supposed to call. We all managed to purchase the things we wanted to purchase. And none of us went, you know what? I have not lived until 2005. Somehow we survived. I don't know how. And again, this is a personal thing. That's my choice. I don't know what things creep into yours but I know they do because that's the nature of life life is an invasive species and it creeps in and God says what is it that's sucking up the nutrients and that's where we're going to close with just two, two thoughts where have my choices led me I had blood work done this week. I have to do it once a year because of my medication. And the doctor, I'm wonderful, thankful that he didn't tell me this last year. He goes, oh, by the way, last year when you did this, uh, your LDL levels were kind of high. Where were you a year ago? I would have liked that information a a year ago. How did it get that high? Choices. That's how it got that high. Where have my choices led me? Now there's going to be some choices that have to go the other way, aren't there? Choices beget choices. We migrate away passively, but we don't migrate to where we're supposed to passively. You never get to where you want to go in slow, deliberate change. No, it takes drastic change to get to where you need to be in anything. There has to be a moment where you go, I have come this far. I'm telling you right now, if you say, well, Andrew, uh, I'm sitting down with myself and say, you know, I've made a slow choice. I'm just going to have one less piece of pizza you know, every two weeks. ain't going to get where I want to go. Sorry. There's going to have to be a drastic change, isn't there? That's just the nature of things. And that's the nature of this whole this whole lesson. We just kind of... Start generating the way God's got to start tearing stuff up. Drastic change. So, where, where have your choices led to? And what in your life is getting overgrown? What in my life is overgrown? We all have different areas that are overgrown. Things that sap my energy, things that take away the nutrients, the time. All of, the, all of the, the things that are important to me, really, whether it be financial things or, or, or my time, whatever the com- important commodities are in my life, we all have things that vie for those, that want that attention, that want that nutrients. Those things want it. And they'll take it unless we make some drastic decisions to say no. I've got to cut that off. I've got to cut that off because it's keeping me from being connected to Christ. And those are the challenges this morning.